Welcome to Fear and Greed, the week ahead. I'm Sean Aylmer, and as always, I'm joined by economist Stephen Kukoulos. You'll find him at thekook.com, T-H-E-K-O-U-K, thekook.com, and on Twitter using the handle thekook. Stephen, good morning. And a very good morning in what's going to be another great week for the economy. It is going to be a great week for the economy with the Reserve Bank meeting tomorrow, but let's start with what happened last week. Were you exhausted by the end of it? So much GDP, retail sales, uh, building approvals, monthly CPI. The house prices numbers. There was a lot of stuff. And, and, and look, and I think on balance, most of the numbers, if not all of them actually, were weaker than expected. They were confirming a couple of things, that the economy did start to slow down through the course of 2022. Obviously, the the effect of interest rate hikes, which commenced in May last year, was starting to have an impact. Cost of living pressures were very real. Uh, so the economy was slowing. The biggest shock, arguably, was the wages numbers, confirming that well, wages are edging up, not galloping away. Mm. The wage price index at 3.3% is certainly higher than it was during the pandemic, there's no question, but 3.3% wages growth is not the sort of thing that would spark anyone's concern about that feeding into the inflation outlook. And, you know, even on the monthly inflation, even though there's a lot of caveats around, you know, exactly the methodology that the ABS used to compile it, it's still a pretty good indicator, actually was a big shock on the downside with a, with a you know, clear and discernible peaking and an edging lower in the rate of annual inflation. House prices, Stephen, I've got to ask you about them. Sydney house prices last month actually rose. Sydney house prices rose 0.3% according to the CoreLogic numbers and all of the other capital cities were either recording basically a flat outcome or smallish falls, you know, 0.3s, 0.4s on the month, whereas during the course of 2022, most of the monthly declines were, you know, give or take 1%. So, there's something happening there, and it sort of fits with a couple of things. The narrative around this house price scenario is that clearly there's negative effects coming from the rate hiking cycle. No question. Everybody knows that, and that's partly why they fell. But there's no evidence yet, at least, of any forced selling. So the amount of new properties on the market, according to all of the people who measure these things, is very low, even though there's a bit of, bit of a seasonal uptick. The amount of properties that you know we can go and have a look at to inspect and to make an offer on aren't that many, and that's creating a bit of a scarcity. And the other thing, of course, is demographics are working in favour of housing, getting some support, because we've had this really big lift in immigration. You know, we know skilled migrants are coming in at a rapid clip now. And by definition, skilled migrants have a job. They earn good money. They tend to be house buyers rather than renters. But even the foreign students and these sorts of people who rent while they're studying here at Australian universities, you know, they're, they're demanding property as well. So, yeah, just the early signs that maybe the worst is behind us in terms of the house price falls. Right, a big week this week. Tomorrow, of course, the Reserve Bank Board meets. It's likely to lift interest rates. I'm saying this as a statement, Stephen. I'm asking yes. you, is it likely to lift interest rates tomorrow? It is likely to increase them, but it probably doesn't need to. I think that that hawkish rhetoric that we saw from the last RBA board meeting when they did deliver that 25-point hike you know, it has to be followed through. And even though, as we we're just sort of saying, you know, GDP was a bit slower, inflation probably has topped out, you know, building approvals are down, wages growth really isn't picking up. The RBA probably would like to sort of validate what the market pricing is. And as I checked the market pricing this morning, you know, a 25-point hike is fully priced in. So it'd be a shock if they didn't deliver it. So in a sense, 
the question might be, look, here's a 25-point rate hike. So we've delivered 350 basis points of rate hikes in total. And I'm speculating that some of the wording that they put in the statement, that Dr. Lowe puts in his statement, will be just a little bit more cautious than the ultra-hawkish sort of wording that he put in February, that you know he will have to acknowledge that the unemployment rate has ticked up, wages aren't picking up that much, and, you know, and even the GDP numbers were probably sort of tracking lower, as the RBA wanted to see, but the fact that they're actually seeing it says to me that there's no need to panic with, you know, a series of further rate hikes. Okay. What is the what they call the neutral rate? What's a neutral cash rate? Are we kind of in a, in the territory where we're pulling the economy back a lot? Not much, not at all. Where are yeah. we? That's a, and, and that one's a it's an absolutely tremendous question. It really forms the basis of all of the RBA's decision because they don't. You know, if the economy is overheating, they need to move policy rates to a restrictive level. If the economy is weak, they move them to an accommodative level. And you know, like the Goldilocks porridge, if it's just right, they just want to keep them in that neutral zone. So mm-hmm. it's always a hard one to pinpoint, and it is a moving feast based on you know productivity changes, technology, these sorts of things. But that was my intro and giving me a caveat, if you like. But, <laughs> um, but it does appear that in the current structure of the economy, the structure of household finances with debt, uh, even the corporate debt levels that are out there, something in the low 3% region is about neutral. So if we get the rate hike tomorrow and they lift the cash rate to around about 3.6%, that will be into the restrictive area. So it'll be the sort of interest rate settings that actually do bite a little harder and they do deliver slower growth and, with the normal lag, uh, deceleration in inflation. So policy is sort of a little bit tight today. It'll be a little bit tighter tomorrow. Okay, the end, the sort of the major economic release this week, at least from the Bureau of Statistics, is international trade. Another surplus, I'd imagine. Oh yes, uh, look, it looks like it. Even though some commodity prices have come off the boil in the last few months, uh, the reopening of China from the COVID lockdowns that it had is probably going to be sparking a pretty decent lift in export volumes. A slowdown in the domestic economy means that import uh, levels are probably going to be you know, broadly flat. You know, We're not importing heaps of stuff because the economy here is booming. So look, a surplus of the order of $12, $13 billion for the month. You know, These staggeringly large uh, international trade surpluses keep coming through. We're exporting heaps of uh, raw materials and uh, minerals and the like, and we're not importing all that much. So we're running these you know, huge, huge surpluses. Stephen, have a good week. Thank you, mate. I will. That was economist Stephen Kukulis, better known as The Cook. You can find him at thecook.com and follow him on Twitter using the handle The Cook. I'm Sean Aylmer, and this is Fear and Greed, the week ahead. 